Today's episode is part two of answering your questions. Let's get right into it. This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? How many fandoms can one participate in without sacrificing the others, and what's your count? Oh, that's a tough question. I I have a very high count of fandoms. There are lots of things that I would consider myself a strong, strong fan of, or a, a, a geek for, if you will. Hey, it's the name of the podcast. The way I express my fandom, I talk about this a little with Melissa Martin uh, back in that episode. I think Melissa and I have very similar approaches to the things that we become passionate about in that we get really obsessed and then kind of cool off for a little bit and maybe come back to them. Because I do that, I I actually feel like I can balance a lot of different fandoms. So I'll go through long periods where I won't watch the new season of Doctor Who um and then i'll i'll catch up a little while later um i don't feel i need to have the same intensity at all times for all my fandoms but that's me personally i know other people who their fandoms have this consistent intensity and so they can't fit in other things i also go through long periods where work life is busy i mean i'll be completely transparent here i've had a really hard time during the pandemic i have not been able to watch movies for fun or very rarely only recently have I started to be able to watch movies for fun. I haven't been able to watch a lot of TV for fun. It's a real struggle to focus on, on media. This is not good for an English and film studies professor, let me tell you. The only thing I could do is play video games. And even that's kind of slowed down the last little while. I haven't touched, um, I haven't touched a video game in probably a month and a half. Uh, in part, it's like the stress of pandemic, but also for me... I've been busier the last six months than I've ever been before. So, I mean, just carving out what little spare time I have for, frankly, this podcast, which is, a you know, tied in with my work in some way, that that's kind of taken up a lot of my time. So I, I've kind of cooled on a lot of fandoms, actually, um, in the last little while, but uh, that's not unusual for me. All right, next question. Is there something new you're becoming a fan of? Oh, right now I'm I'm fascinated by the HBO show Lovecraft Country. By extension, I've also become interested in Lovecraft's writing and more broadly in literary horror. So I've been reading a lot of ghost stories or actually having a lot of stories read to me on audiobook. It's one of the things I can do on my walks to and from work. Another recent fascination that I've had uh, actually started a little over a year ago. So local director, Andrew Wall, who um, pointed me in the direction of this science fiction writer named Victor Emmanuel Rousseau. And uh, I, I started getting into his science fiction. Rousseau was writing around early 20th century, just after Jules Verne and H.G. Wells are kind of establishing uh, the foundations of what we know of as science fiction. Rousseau is the next generation. Um, he's really good, but he's, he's almost completely forgotten now. Uh, so I've, I've been studying him for, um, better part of a year now, just getting myself familiarized with his texts. And I mean, he's fascinating because he had like dozens of pseudonyms that he wrote under. He wrote, uh, just an epic amount of, of short stories. Um, so just 
tracking it all down has has been has been interesting and and fun and difficult. But he he writes early science fiction, the the very infancy. Um, Andrew also made a documentary that should be coming out either December or early January. Uh, I've been told that it will air on the Super Channel in in Canada and maybe the U.S., I'm not sure. The documentary is called The Science Fiction Makers. It's part of a series that Andrew's been working on. Uh, It's the second in a series. Uh, So this one looks at uh, Victor Emmanuel Russo, C.S. Lewis, and Madeleine Lengel. And, you know, there's some interesting stuff about Mary Shelley in there as well. And I'm actually featured in the documentary. I saw a rough cut uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm in it a lot. And as somebody who, who's never been thrilled with uh, looking at myself, it's kind of uh, surreal to watch myself in a documentary. And it looks really good. Like people like Malcolm Geit um, are, are interviewed. And I'm really proud of it. It's really exciting. I, I can't wait to... Uh, to, to start promoting it a little bit more. I saw a trailer. Uh, Andrew said he wants to change a couple more things. So maybe by the time this episode is out, uh, there will be a, a trailer released. But that's been another thing that I've been focusing my, my time and energy on. What is your favorite fandom to teach? Um, that's a really good question. There are lots of fandoms that I like to teach. And I like to incorporate things that I'm passionate about into my regular teaching as much as possible. So, uh, for example, when I teach courses on film adaptation, I often will show at least shorts from Mystery Science Theater as a form of, in, uh, of adaptation, and those tend to go over really well. I also am sometimes a little bit hesitant to let people know how much I love things, only because um, if they don't love it, sometimes students feel awkward, like they can't express, you know, a a dislike in class. So I I I don't want to say that I'm cagey about it, but I, I tend not to explicitly say I'm a huge fan of this. Um except in one instance. Uh when I teach intro to film studies, I almost always show Casablanca, which is my favorite film. I've seen it fifty or sixty times. I can recite it. Uh it is it is one of those films that I discovered many, many years ago, uh probably when I was in high school and just absolutely loved it and have you know maintained this deep, deep, deep love of it. One time I taught it and a couple of students were like, it was boring and I was like, I just I just didn't know how to handle it. So I actually preemptively say, this is my favorite film. You cannot like it, but if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your comments about it are, are superficial, I, I, will, I, will think, I will think poorly of you. I do really love um, introducing people to things that they haven't explored before. So, you know, when I teach television studies, you know, I, I try to bring in things that I really like, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, Battlestar Galactica and Veronica Mars and just things that I think maybe have slipped by them, uh, slipped by my students that they, they, they weren't aware of them. Um, but I also try to create space for my students to bring the things that they're passionate about into the classes. So I think it, it's it's kind of a, a two-way street there. I want to absolutely introduce students to things that they they may become passionate about and it it gives me great joy it fills my heart um my cold cold heart to to see students grab on to 
um, something that I've introduced them to and become passionate about. At the same time, I want the opportunity to become passionate about things that they're excited about. So I've, I've you know, definitely had students who have introduced me to things um, over the years, and and you know that's that's just as exciting for me. What did I think of season four of Veronica Mars? I have to admit, I have not seen season four of Veronica Mars. Not for any strong reason. When it first came out, it was on a platform I didn't have access to. I I currently have access to it now. I have just not made the time to watch it, mostly because of pandemic, which is unusual. Um, And the person who asked this question knows how much I love Veronica Mars. Um, I, I will go on record and say, I think Veronica Mars season one is one of the best network television shows ever created. It has great mystery of the week episodes. So every, every episode has a mystery of the week, but then it moves forward a whole season long narrative better than almost anything I've ever seen. Um, unlike shows, you know, on HBO or some of the premium platforms, which have, you know, 10 episodes or 12 episodes or six episodes, Veronica Mars manages to do, I think it's 18 or 22 episodes and move an entire season long story. So it rewards people who are watching episode after episode as there's this giant mystery that culminates in the final episode. I don't think anybody has topped that for, for, for just the brilliance of execution. Um, and the fact that it wasn't on a premiere uh, network uh, pr- premier platform, but was still able to do that is absolutely unbelievable and unmatched. Maintaining that consistency, I thought season two was was really good. It tried to do the same thing. It 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 didn't quite pull it off as well. And then season three, they moved away from that and kind of had two big arc things. And I didn't think it worked very well. I will watch season four at some point. Uh, I am a little bit more curious with a few of the restrictions uh, that that network TV has lifted, how they, you know, what they do with some of those directions. What new things have you learned about your, your own loves and passions since doing the podcast? That's a really good question. I think one of the things that I've recognized that's really come to the surface for me is that community expressions of my fandoms um, are not something that I've typically done. Not that I don't enjoy things with friends. I think that I'm more likely to like watch a show with people or, you know, watch a movie, something that I care deeply about. When I was talking to Murray back in the uh, the Star Trek episode, his story of meeting together as as a young person with a with a bunch of other Star Trek fans in the basement of a Unitarian church really struck me as something uh, I've never really explored. It was interesting to me because it's it's not been something I've done before. Again, not to say that I don't have. Um, you know, friends who I enjoy certain fandoms with. It's just that I, you know, I don't, I don't cosplay. I don't go to, I don't go to sci-fi conventions. I don't go to those sorts of big public displays. And not that I'm against it. It's just, you know, as an introvert, I've never really thought about that as, as a, as a form of expression for me personally. Actually, come to think of it, there is one public thing that I do almost every year. There's a woman in the city named Kendra Monk who puts on an event at the Park Theater in Winnipeg. It's 
kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer Joss Whedon. We watch Dr. Horrible's uh, sing-along blog and the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Kendra makes these awesome gift bags. And it was really my wife who was super excited about it. And she encouraged me to go and push me outside my comfort zone. I really enjoy it. It's one of the most fun things that we do. And I have actually dressed up uh, multiple times for that. Um, I've gone as Principal Snyder. I went as the mustard guy from the, the musical episode as well. If, if I do dress up, I was like this with Halloween as well. If I am going to dress up, I like it to be as much of an inside joke as possible. The fewer people who get what my costume is, that makes me happy, uh, which probably says horrible things about me. How do you feel about the podcast? And what ideas do you have for the future? I have no intentions of stopping the podcast. I've probably hit a nice period for a break, so I think I might take a couple of weeks off. I am also bone tired. Don't know how much inside baseball uh, fascinates people about the podcast, but typically, uh, given my schedule, which is incredibly busy sometimes, uh, I kind of go through periods of busyness because working in academics, yeah, beginning, middle, end end of terms tend to be very busy. So I like to bank a bunch of, of, of interviews and then be able to kind of work on them and edit them at my own pace. Like when I launched the show, I think I had six episodes that I'd, I'd recorded, six interviews that I'd recorded. And, and right now, yeah, I need to replenish the bank. Um, that's working out other people's schedules and my own schedules. That's not always easy. I have lots of people in my life who I want to ask. I have some people who I've asked and have said no or, you know, not right now, and that's hard to hear. I've had many people offer. I have people who have come on the show before who, who would like to come back or who I'd like to come back to talk about different things. I certainly have, have my own wish list of, of who I would like to talk to. But, yeah, I think maybe the, the pace of the show weekly um, is a lot, honestly. So I might, I might switch to fortnightly i just like the the formality of that uh the fortnightly podcast uh shout out to my my friends at uh at which please but in terms of the podcast i love doing it continuing these conversations as long as people will listen a lot of the feedback that i've gotten over the last few months has been absolutely incredible people have been really supportive they really like the idea and even if they don't know the fandom particularly well, they're interested in hearing why people like things that they do. And that was really the whole purpose of this, was uh, to give me an opportunity to chat with people about things that they're passionate about. So I'm committed to continuing going on. In terms of, of things I might do differently uh, or am paying attention to, uh, I am paying attention to issues of diversity. Uh, gender diversity, I think I've done pretty well. But diversity is a, an ongoing project. I want to hear about how people experience things from diverse backgrounds. Um, I think that's that's important. I'm hoping to use a little bit of the, the holiday time to research fan culture and give a little bit of a the- theoretical framework to some of the conversations that we've been having. I also... Um, I'm kind of committed to stepping a bit more outside my comfort zone in things of, uh, in terms of the topics that we talk about. With very few exceptions, 
I'm relatively conversant in the fandoms that I've talked about with my guests. Most of the guests were people that I knew pretty well, and so we had already connected over those things. Lisa and I have talked about James Bond for literally years. So even if I didn't know some of the fandoms as well, I don't know Star Trek as well as Murray, obviously, but I could talk about it um, intelligently. I am interested in kind of stepping outside and talking to people maybe I don't know as well. That's a little nerve-wracking, I'll be honest. And then, I mean, that that really will just require me to step up my game as an interviewer. Uh, what happens when I don't have the familiarity with the topic or the person? I've been really fortunate in that people have offered to connect me with people of different fandoms from all over the world. I kind of wanted the first part of the, 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 the series to be um, people I was comfortable with. Uh, I was learning so many new things. I've been learning so many new things. I mean, just on the technical side of learning how to edit and do sound and all that stuff. I, I'm probably ready where I can, I can reach out a little bit more. Uh, when I do that, I like to make sure that I have the time so that people can, you know, if, if they are free, that I can I can fit them in kind of around their schedule. So I like to, to be comfortable with uh, the holes in my time uh, when I do that. I do want to say that this has been amazing. Again, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm going to take a few weeks off. But right at the moment, I'm really happy with how the podcast has turned out, the reception that I've gotten from it, from people amazed at the people who are reaching out and connecting with me, former students and people I don't know and uh, good friends and past guests and everyone. Uh, so thank you. I have learned that getting the word out about a podcast is hard. You're, uh, sometimes it feels like you're screaming into the void. So when an occasional voice screams back it's it's really reassuring if you like the podcast please word of mouth makes a big deal five star reviews on 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 apple certainly helps the algorithms more people uh can find it that way it shows up more prominently in searches i can't believe that joel hodgson listened to the mystery science theater episode um that just blew my mind and whatever the next few months holds uh, as we continue a pandemic. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.